In this episode of Dev Keel, I have the distinct pleasure of speaking with Rachel Hudson from the UK. How are you doing today, Rachel? I'm very well, thank you, Dev. How are you? Very well here in kind of cold Mexico City, uh, but you know, it's usually nice throughout the whole year. But we'll take you know a little var- variety once in a while, so no problem. Good for you. It's very, very hot here in London, for London. Oh, okay. We're very dry at the moment. We could do with some moisture, but oh. I'm not complaining. Well, s- stick with that as much as you can because it's a bit dreary towards the end of the year, I'm sure. <laughs> for Usually, yes. Totally <laughs> okay. uh, Rachel, I'm really happy to have you on this episode because the thing is, um, I'll have you go into what you do and how you help people in a moment, but... Really, I think now more than ever, there, and I talk about it a lot on this channel, but there's just so many people that suffer with different issues and more heightened issues with stress, managing stress, anxiety, depression, you know, ADHD, just the, the list seems to go on and on and become more prevalent and increase year to year with all mm. age groups, to be honest, you know, it, you can't really limit it in that that fact but there seems to be also more tools available um and people willing to help people in many ways you know mm-hmm. re- whether it be in person with the right protocols etc and in a virtual way which is great so there there is more available at the same time but within saying that is i don't sometimes it can be even overwhelming to know where to start and how to start to get the help you need you know mm-hmm. um and what I try to do, especially as well, is speak with people um, such as yourself and just try to, you know, guide our audience in a way in which, you know, who may feel stressed or may feel overwhelmed with issues in life and, you know, show them an alter- uh, a way in which, you know, it doesn't always have to be this way of their life each and every day. So, mm-hmm. Rachel, can you please speak to our audience members who are viewing and listening on a podcast platform a little bit? of what you do and really why have you chosen this route in your life to take? Yes, I can. And firstly, thank you for having me. And I absolutely agree. There is so much that seems to be an exponentially growing experience of challenge for people. And uh, I find myself in a place where so I um, have now been working in the well-being space consciously and purposefully for t- over 20 years. Um, by pure fluke from about the age of four and four or five, which sounds strange, I know, but I seem to have a gift for massaging my mother's feet So <laughs> from the age of four. And I used to get out of chores in order Uh, if I massaged my mum's feet. Um, And I started becoming, I think, from a very young age, very aware of the way that the body moves and the way that the mind and our emotions influence the way that the body moves. And uh, I began to be very aware of how there's, it's almost like a multi-feedback system with our thoughts and our feelings. Whatever we're thinking affects our feelings and whatever we're thinking and feeling affects the beliefs that we have and the way that we think, feel, and believe affects the physiology with which we approach the world. I call it the shape we cut in the world. And 
if we're not feeling strong physically, if we're not feeling strong emotionally, if we're not feeling strong spiritually, which doesn't necessarily need to involve any any reference to God or religion, it could just be the belief systems that you you have about yourself or your family or your culture or something like that. But if if we're not feeling good physically, emotionally, in our thoughts or in our spirit, then we are not as full of the potential that we could possibly be. And I recognize through uh, growing up through school within the family that I grew up in, uh, the challenge of an impoverished background. And I don't necessarily mean a poor background. I mean uh, an emotionally resilient or a resource in a resources impoverished background. Um, and began to recognize that, but not all families are the same. And of course, all parents come from different backgrounds themselves. But we generally learn how to handle the world through those primary caregivers. And I found myself working in business. And I was very, very lucky. And discovering so much stress that really impacted the shape that people cut in the world. But also, it really impacted the way people received these people who were stressed. And there became this interactional model that I would witness of somebody who was not handling themselves very well, emotionally, physically, spiritually, uh, uh, cognitively. And the impact on somebody else who was on the receiving end of that and how so much so many people began to take it very, very personally, and that would increase their stress experience, their experience of stress. They would lose their mindfulness and become almost mindless. You know, So in my experience of business, I realized that I didn't want to work in an office. But I also realized that I, I, and I feel deeply fascinated and curious by what makes people do what they do, think what they think, feel what they think, when they do think, feel what they do think and feel. And what's the difference that, between somebody who manages to coast through life seemingly untouched by challenges or seems to get over challenges and someone who seems to fall down at every challenge and take a long time to recover? And that I think that really, in a nutshell, is, is the work I do. And I feel so, so privileged to work with those people and see the transformation of those people who come to me feeling very, very stuck, very impoverished in their experience, emotionally or physically or mentally, and work with them to build something so much better for them. So they begin to purposefully live a life that's more potential you know, more of who they were born. I don't think I've answered the question no, there. No, actually. that's fine. I, no, that's great, Rachel. And can you speak to two things as well? First of all, what are the main items of work that you do that, in which you help people? What are those main uh, avenues? Secondly, what do most people go to you with as far as wanting or looking for a resolve? Like, what you know, on the emotional side, spiritual side, whatever it may be, what, what is it that is overbearing in people's day-to-day lives yeah, or has yeah. percolated over time yeah, that they a, go to you and are seeking a solution for? And that's a great question. So, and it really is a great question. My, the majority of people who come to me feel unfulfilled. 
there is a deep sense of malaise out there and they seem to be relatively successful. They seem to have the job or the family or the relationship. And yet they're waking up with this uh, deep sense that it's not enough. You know, and, and sometimes, and, and sometimes they're feeling stressed and anxious. They've got everything that they set out to get, or they, they've got everything they thought they wanted. And suddenly they're just not feeling fulfilled. And they're seeing from a distance this idea of fulfillment, um, and want a quick fix as well. Quite often they want a quick fix. Um, so I work with those people who are experiencing stress and anxiety and a sense of, uh, malaise or lack of fulfillment, sometimes depression, uh, sometimes uh, suicidal ideations, um, people with a sense of pointlessness. What's the point? You know, I've got all of this and I'm still not happy. So in reality, I'm working with numerous uh, presenting issues that ultimately come down to a sense of pointlessness or is this all there is why am I not feeling happy why am I not feeling accomplished and can you please speak to the type of work that you focus on and what that involves so I have a many multifaceted approach because I've had decades of body work experience, decades of business experience, decades of, well, now moving into 12, 15 years of hypnotherapy and coaching experience and transformational breath. So I can't, I come at it from a multifaceted and multi uh, modality approach because some people will present to me with a, a, a physical ailment. Some people will present to me with negative thinking. For instance, some people will present to me with uh, emotional issues, a low, very low mood or anxiety or stress. So if someone's coming to, and I will pluck from transformational breath, body work, hypnotherapy, coaching, I'll, I'll pluck from those because we're a full system. My job, I think, is to identify the crux of the issue. And for some people who are very physical, if I can change their physical, then that's the way in to help change the thinking and the feeling and the believing behaviors that will shift them to the next point. Um, almost everybody who's experiencing something like that is very trapped in their breath. And I've noticed that throughout every stage uh, and age of my life that uh, and experience that the, the key is in the breath and the way that we use our breath. Our breath is our life force. And some people, especially those in stress and anxiety, they, um, they're very surface in their breath, very shallow in their breath, very fast in their breath, um, and unfocused almost. So hypnotherapy is, is a wonderful, wonderful tool. It's incredible to get the critical factor, the conscious mind critical factor to move and retreat so that we can deal with the, the deep unconscious potential of an individual. Um, and when we can work on that and the breath and the physicality at the same time, then we begin to really change a state. And it's the state of belief, state of thinking, state of feeling, behaviors that is created by the behaviors that we do so again i'm not sure i've answered your question yeah. because i yeah, yeah it's kind of a holistic approach in many ways it sounds like 
it um, is super holistic. Yeah. yeah. I, I want to go and integrative as well. Sorry to interrupt oh, no. you. No, no, no. That's great. I mean, because yeah, like you said, we are complex people. Uh, we as humans are very complex and, you know, just treating one aspect of maybe what's going on. This is not really touching the, the totality of, you know, what could really make us feel better. Right. So it mm. has to have a multi-prong mm. approach in, in many ways, for sure. Um, but I want to focus on breath a little bit because the, the, the topic of adjusting your breathing or breathing correctly or breathing differently, what, however you want to frame that, like fascinates me a lot. I guess, especially because it, it picked up a bit of, in a way, mainstream sort of consciousness through Wim Hof and his personality and things like that. Mm. But what mm. he does is quite important, I think, for the physiology of, you know, every human being. So let's dig a little bit deeper into this topic. Um, from your experience and how you teach this other people, how does it really help alleviate anxiety and depression, let's say on a daily basis, if we do it right? Okay. Um, so our breath is our life force. Literally. How long can you go without food or without water? Days, right? But how long can you go without breath? We literally cannot live if we don't breathe. And our brain doesn't function, neither do any of our organs. So it's the one thing that our autonomous nervous system should look after, but we are able to change it. So what happens when you stub your toe, for instance? Then? Usually I scream my wife's ear or something. I don't know. So <laughs> depends on where we are. Yeah. But what's the first thing? Generally, when we stub our toe, we go. Yeah. You know, tense, people take it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And we hold the breath and then we wait for the pain. And then generally there's, you know, there's an expletive or we shout or something like that, you know. Um, and I don't know if you'll notice if you've ever been through any kind of heartache or grief or loss, then our, our breathing becomes so much shallower and smaller and yet when we're in love we seem to breathe so much more expansively so there is something about the way that we our state of mind influences the quality of our breath and yet when you see a baby when it's been born it doesn't have to think about breathing it just breathes and its belly expands and all it knows is to grow and expand grow and expand grow and expand and that oxygen is part of that growing uh, facility so um i'm a transformational breath practitioner and transformational breath holds that if we can certainly within a session adopt a diaphragmatical breath into our belly then we are optimizing, firstly, the primary muscle for breathing. So the diaphragm is the primary muscle for breathing. The rib cage and the chest muscles are the secondary muscles for breathing. And the shoulder and the neck muscles are the tertiary muscles. And in general, the tertiary muscles should only ever be engaged when we're in fight, flight, freeze, flop, or fawn. So any of the stress management, the stress response when we need to fight, flee, or uh, freeze, that's when our muscles go into tension or we need to pump everything through. We have no time to think. And if we are breathing up here all the time, our, our amygdala thinks, our limbic system thinks that we are being chased by a saber-toothed tiger. 
So if I'm seeing someone who's breathing up here, they're using their tertiary muscles and they're using their secondary muscles. And it's impossible for us to utilize the full size of the lungs in order to be able to fully access, stimulate all of the other systems in our body by gaining as much, not necessarily just about oxygen, but the, the exchange of oxygen and the byproducts within our system. The subject is so big, it's really, really hard to condense it down into something that that cleanly answers your question. But what I see is when you see someone who's very, very connected to and, and comfortable and balanced within themselves, you'll notice that their breath is deep. It's generally slow. It's generally balanced as well. Someone who is in anxiety or stress they, as I said, are generally much faster in their breathing and bring with them quite a frantic energy. Have you seen a correlation, Rachel, between people who practice, let's say, gratitude exercises or, you know, this bringing more awareness of gratitude in their life and having better breathing? Absolutely. Uh, Massively, sir. Yeah. Can you explain that a little bit? Uh <laughs> Yeah. Um, in order to feel gratitude, we I, I personally believe, others might describe this differently, but in order to feel gratitude, we have to be comfortable with who we are and where we are right here and right now. And everything that is in our life is in our life for us, whether that is a challenge or a bliss state. You know, we have to be comfortable in our skin in order, I think, to, to be in gratitude and comfortable that we're able to access our inner resources. And in order to do that, I don't, I, my experience and my belief, I don't believe it's possible to feel comfortable in our skin if we are frantically unfocused on what's happening within our physicality. There's a lady called, um, there's a fabulous book. Sorry, I've got it here. My apologies. There's Amanda Gore is a fantastic TED talk by Amanda Gore. And she says, just drop into your heart and feel everything from a space of love. If you just drop into your heart, you know, and, and breathe into your heart and, and express everything from that place, from a place of gratitude and love, then it automatically roots you. It makes you in my experience, drop into the very groundedness, the very core of yourself. How, when you work with people, whether, you know, when, when someone comes to you and then you work with them with, let's, for lack of a better expression, your holistic approach on all the tools in your toolbox that you can offer, how do you advise the people that you work with, your clients, uh, to carry on after they meet with you day to day with make, to make progress, right? Because the thing is when we go back and we live our lives and we're maybe alone, you know, we can fall back into mm -hmm. either deep depression or the same habits or anxieties, whatever that is. Yeah. So what is it that you kind of advise or help with, or maybe help them stay accountable to continue? Yeah their lives right. in a good way mm -hmm. so firstly human beings get better at stuff with practice 
the more we do something, the better we get at it. So if we're thinking negatively, then we're going to get good at it. And the human system deselects what we don't use anymore. So if we are continuously deselecting the neural pathways of joy and selecting instead the neural pathways that are the human system will find evidence of the thing it seeks evidence of. So if you're looking for the negative, you will find the negative. And your neural pathways will connect to every experience of that negative in this moment in some greater or lesser intensity. So when someone is working with me, throughout, we begin to identify the energy of the words they use on themselves. So throughout the course of work with me, then there, there are tasks to activate, become fully aware of what it, what it is they're thinking, the energy of the words they're using, the energy of the beliefs they're applying to themselves, and to begun, begin to interrupt those patterns. And in NLP's terms, they say, if you change your breathing, you change your posture. If you change your posture, you change your state. And if you change your state, you change your outcome. So the first thing is if you, if you can, if we can identify a time when you felt fully resourceful, like you had everything that you had available to you in that moment, would that state be more beneficial to you or less beneficial to optimize those that total resourcefulness rather than the energy of the lack of resource? So first of all, breathing, get aware. Sink into your body, ground into your body, and just find where you're breathing. Whenever you are feeling anxious or stressed or challenged in any way, just give yourself a moment to find out where your breathing is. And if you're breathing up into your chest, slow it down. There are, there are a number of breaths you can use. The box breath is known, it's very, very well known for reducing panic in somebody. And I don't know if you know the box breath, but it's um, you breathe in for four, you hold for four. You breathe out for four, you hold for four. You breathe in for four, you hold for four. You breathe out for four, you hold for four. And you continue to do that for a couple of minutes. And one, one that allows you to get into your body, because when we're panicking in in, and in anxiety, we are not in our body, we're in our head. So getting into your body, getting into your breath really, really helps. Once you're in your breath, you can, then you create some cognitive space or some emotional space to go, what's really going on here? What am I choosing to think here, either about myself or about someone else? What am I choosing to think here and believe about that? And in that moment that you create space for you to ask yourself, what am I thinking? Then you get the opportunity to ask yourself if it's true. Then you get the opportunity to ask yourself if if it's not true, who would you be without that original thought? Who would you, you know, who are you with that thought? And is that who you want to be? Who are you without that thought? And is that more like who you would want to be? So it's a, when somebody's ingrained in that very well practiced state, 
it takes practice of interrupting that pattern on purpose. And then over time, you begin to create more neural pathways to the resourceful state. So affirmations are great as long as they're very, you embody the physicality of them as well. Um, there, are, there are so many tools. I'd be happy. I'm yeah. just relaunching my website and I'd be really happy to let all of your viewers have access to the library that I'm going to have of, of scripts and things like that, affirmations. Uh, breath exercises they'd be very very welcome to access that as and when no that's perfect we're gonna i'll ask you in a moment where people can find you and link to you and all that but um i, I think it's really important you know what you're saying and i found that as well through breath work it kind of takes you out of the compulsivity of that certain instance that moment helps you step back and then go back into it with a fresh frame of reference and that mm. can lead to a lot of, you know, unnecessary conflicts, adverse situations, and it's so important, but you have mm. to bring that discipline awareness in to do that. And like you said, practice, practice will mm. eventually get you down the road, that road <laughs> a little yeah. smoothly, more smoothly. So, um, Rachel, I only have time for one last. Oh, I'm sorry. Course, I've, I've, I'm so talked. No, so no, 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 no. But we will, we'll have you on if you agree for a part two sometime in the near future, oh, I'd love to. dive into a couple, <laughs> a couple main issues much more, uh, deeply, especially hypnotherapy and, and other things. So we'll, we'll definitely have you on if you agree to that. We really appreciate that. Oh, um, I'd the, love to. The last main question I have is, what have you discovered really about yourself uh, from taking this journey in your life, right? Because you said you, you know, how is it different from the way in which you used to live, especially maybe in a previous professional situation and where you are now? Like, what is it you learned about you as Rachel in the, in these oh, periods? Oh, gosh. That's such an amazing question. Maybe, Thank you maybe for asking. One, maybe one main answer would be good, at, you know. Just like one particular am, point. Yeah. yeah, great. I am so much more capable than I was ever told I could be. I, you know, the longer I believed what other people said about me, I was really saying that to myself. And that was one of the most limiting things. So COVID, we talked about COVID earlier. And when COVID hit, I lost 75% of my business overnight, which was terrifying I, I can't say any different but I was self-employed during the original credit crunch and uh, and I got through that earning far less with only one practice available to me so I sat back and I said to myself right I don't care what I'm going to do but no matter how long this is the other side of it I want to be able to turn around and look at the me that carried myself through it and be proud of that me so every choice, every single choice of how I responded to COVID for two years, two and a half years, was whatever I do, I'm going to be proud of the thing I did. Whatever I do is going to carry me through this to that place where I'm proud of who I am and what I've accomplished. So uh, may I may I end that with a metaphor? Yes, do you please. mind? Uh, many, many years ago, I was driving along the M40. Uh, it's a major road through the UK going to home. And I saw a rainbow. And you know the, the, the metaphor of the pot, the, the proverbial pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Mm. 
And I've never seen the end of the rainbow, of course, let alone the, the pot of gold. But as I was driving, I realized that that rainbow seemed to be coming from the boot of my car, the bonnet of my car, literally. And in that moment, I realized that I was my pot of gold. And that there is so much treasure in me, just as there is in every human being, there is so much treasure available to shine. You know, so instead of looking for the pot of gold outside, drop in with your breath and discover the pot of gold, the treasure within. Because you have every single person has everything they need to thrive. And I deeply believe that in every cell of my body. That is such a great way to end this episode and so true. You know, we often look for everything else around us to make us feel better or happier, whatever it is, but it lies within and we need to, mm-hmm. and it's right there. We just need to recognize it and need to heart, you know, harness it more, manifest it, everything, you know, because it's all mm-hmm. right there and it just needs our own, you know, not, you know, physiological eyes, but our inner eyes to, to touch on that so i, I yeah. completely agree with you so rachel where can people find more about you work with you your website your socials everything oh they're all being updated at the moment Doug, but currently uh www.dochange.co.uk uh my instagram is rachel r-a-c-h-a-e-l that's that's fundamental do change so d-o-c-h-a-n-g-e uh, I'm on LinkedIn, Rachel Hudson. Um, I think you've got the the links. I did send them to you. Um, and people, please feel free to reach out if they've got any questions. I'd be very, very happy to to do what I can in responding. Excellent, Rachel. So we're going to make sure to include all Rachel's information, the pin comments, description, the show notes, everywhere, so you can connect with Rachel, follow her, see all the amazing valuable information that she offers her services everything so please make sure to check that after this episode rachel is a pleasure to have you on and we'll look forward to the part two in the future thank you so much i wish you only the very best thank you thank you rachel thank you everyone for watching and listening we'll see you in the next episode and take care